I wonder how you think about, feel about uncertainty. I mean, we live in an uncertain world, and that uncertainty is revealed in that this is a changing world, right? The earth changes due to tectonic plates shifting over time. Seasons change, times change, living situations change, jobs change, circumstances change, relationships change. But then we also change. Emotions change. Our bodies change. Our health changes. Affections, desires change. We are always changing. All of life is a series of changes. It's like that song, ch-ch-ch-ch-changes, right? right? You know that song? And change can be good. It can be really hard. Change can hurt. Change can be unneeded. Change can often be needed. But change, no matter what it is, can often leave us in cycles of uncertainty. And in the midst of those cycles, we often inevitably begin to place our trust, our faith, our hope in counterfeit hopes and counterfeit comforts of people, places, and things that were never meant to bear the weight of our faith and hopes. And so in an uncertain world full of counterfeit hopes and counterfeit comforts, what or who can bear the weight of our faith, of our hopes, and provide certainty? Well, please open your Bible to the book of Isaiah. It's the third largest book in the Bible, so it's kind of hard to miss. It's in the Old Testament, and it comes in between the Psalms and Jeremiah. If you're at the Psalms, then you haven't gone far enough. If you're at Jeremiah, you've gone too far. We're going to be living in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31 this morning, and you're going to be helped to keep your Bible open to this passage as we walk through it. This is the best part of the sermon this morning, right here in the reading of God's word. Isaiah chapter 40, 27 through 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, 
and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is God's word for the church. Thanks be to God. Let's say that together. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's go to the Lord now and ask him to bless both the hearing and the applying of his word this morning. Would you join me? Lord, we ask that you would speak to us from heaven through your word this morning. Spirit, I ask that you would turn the lights on in our hearts and minds so that we may better behold, better see your glory in the face of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, in order to better understand these verses, this passage, it would be helpful for us to attempt to wrap our minds around the context because we're really kind of parachuting in to the middle of a large book this morning. You don't have to turn there, but the book of Isaiah starts chapter one with a vision that is given to a man named Isaiah, a prophet. Now, while a priest in the Old Testament goes to God on behalf of the people, a prophet goes to the people on behalf of God. And that's Isaiah's role. He was a prophet commissioned just five chapters later in chapter six to speak on behalf of his covenant God, to speak covenant words of prophecy and promise, blessing and curse, damnation and restoration, judgment and redemption to God's covenant people. And if we fast forward in Isaiah to chapter 39, We read there in verses 5 through 6 of Isaiah telling Hezekiah, who is the king of Judah, which is the southern kingdom. This is what he says. The days are coming when God's people and their leaders and all that their fathers have stored up till that day will be carried to Babylon. Babylon is the, the enemy, the arch enemy of God and his people, and nothing would be left. And why would this happen? Well, because God's people had been unfaithful, prideful, hard-hearted, unbelieving, and rebellious, and the cost would be exile. And so this context, the context of these verses is very key. These words were given to a people who were about to go into a long season of exile, of waiting to see if God would prove faithful to the unfaithful. They were written to a people who were and are facing uncertainty, instability, insecurity, And these words were meant to be read by God's people before, during, and after exile, both then and now. And so, like beams of sunlight bursting forth from behind a gray sky, 
God's merciful patience and grace and faithfulness shines forth in these verses, in the whole of chapter 40, with a beam of comfort in verses 1 through 5, with another beam of assurance that God's word would stand true and forever, according to verses 6 through 8, with another beam of God's might and power in verses 9 through 26. And in our passage this morning, we behold yet another beam that assures us of God's grace and care in spite of ourselves and in spite of the darkest of circumstances. And with that, looking specifically at our verses this morning, Isaiah 40, 27 through 31, here's the big idea. We can trust God because he is our sovereign ruler and sovereign hope. We can trust God because he is our sovereign ruler and sovereign hope. So point one, we can trust God because he is our sovereign ruler. Our text begins, verse 27, with a doubt with an accusation. There we read, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? It's clear that the exiled people of God are questioning God here. God has picked up on that. So he's responding here. The exiled people of God are wondering if he sees them if he even cares about their Babylonian captivity, about their distress, about their pain, it seems like they have been abandoned, disregarded by their God. And they're doubting his care here in this verse. And I don't know about you, but have you ever doubted someone or something? Maybe you have doubted your parent or your, your spouse on a hard decision. Doubted one of your children. Doubted another driver when you pull up to a four-way stop. Doubted whether or not we landed on the moon. Doubted that in Y2K the world would either power down or stay lit. Doubted that your favorite team would have a solid season. Doubted maybe at a much deeper level, if you are a Christian, maybe you have past or present doubted God. Doubted that he sees you, that he hears you, that he even cares about you. Maybe you've You've doubted, past or present, that he would provide for you. What are your doubts today? Maybe you're here this morning and you are doubting God's goodness or his care because your schooling or your debt or your mental health struggle is just out of hand. Maybe you're doubting God because you have faced deep, deep loss of a friend, a family member, and their absence is haunting. 
Maybe you're doubting God because your marriage is just not where it should be. Or because your housing situation is just challenging. Or because your children are wayward and there's no end in sight. Because you open God's word maybe and it's just words on a page. And that causes you to doubt God. You open his word and it's colorless, lifeless. Maybe you doubt him because your future is uncertain. You struggle with that. Whatever it is, whatever circumstance, what doubt has clouded your relationship with God? Brothers and sisters, we are a fellowship of believers, yes, but we are also a fellowship of doubters. And we're intimately connected with doubters of old. I mean, we see doubt like this in verse 27 all over Scripture. We see it in the Old Testament, in the serpent's words of Genesis 3, verse 1. Did God actually say? And what happens? What do God's people do? Adam and Eve begin doubting God's love and care for them. Just like that. Or when Abraham and Sarah doubted that God would provide a son for them in Genesis 17. Or when Israel was in the wilderness and doubted God's providence, we read in Exodus 16, verse 3, where the people of God say, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out here. By the way, they're talking to God here (laughs) through Moses. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We also see doubting in the New Testament when Joseph and Mary doubted that Mary would give birth to the Messiah. They're at the beginning, Luke 1. Or when the, the disciples doubted Jesus in the midst of the storm. You know, that, you know the story when they cried out in Mark 4, verse 38, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Or when Peter in Matthew 14 steps out of the boat, he takes his eyes off Jesus for a split second, and what happens? He begins to sink. And Peter calls out, Lord, save me. And what does Jesus do? He immediately reaches down, takes hold of him, and says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Or when Thomas doubted the resurrected Jesus, In John 20, doubt is a dark thread that is woven through the tapestry of the whole of Scripture from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And our passage, Isaiah 40, particularly verse 27, starts with one of these dark doubts and questions of the Lord. Now, what do doubters need to be reminded of in exile or in the darkest circumstances of their lives? Well, first, We need to be reminded of who we are. Did you notice that in this verse? In spite of doubts and accusations against God and God's response to them, we see that God still calls his people, his people, through those titles, Jacob and Israel. He calls them by their covenant name. In spite of unfaithfulness, God's people are still his segula, his treasured possession revealed in their their title here. What a glorious comfort for God's people then and now. But we also need to hear 2nd verse 28, God's assuring words. So look there with me. There God says, 
Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Notice there that the Lord is in all caps. This is Yahweh, the powerful covenant name of God. This is the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit who is sovereign. And sovereign means supreme, the greatest. And he rules over all. He is everlasting, as the text says. He is eternal, unmatched, boundless, never ceasing, all powerful. He is creator, as the text says. The alpha and omega, beginning and end, and everything in between. He is unfathomable. His understanding or wisdom is unsearchable. His wisdom is without borders. This is what Paul declared in that doxology that we heard read earlier by Pastor Jeff and that that expression of praise where where we read, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. 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 There Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is channeling his inner Isaiah 40. But did you also notice those words near the end of verse 28? That God doesn't grow weary. Let me just stop for a minute. Isn't that incredible? How can we rely on a God who is unreliable and can grow weary? How can we who are sick and weary of being sick and weary depend on a God who can grow weary? Oh, in our weariness, we need a God who is according to this passage and Psalm 139 who knows when we sit and when we rise up, who discerns our thoughts from afar, who searches out our path and knows when we lie down and is acquainted with all of our ways. That's the kind of God that we need. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, this is, this is great, Chris. Uh, yeah, I know these things about God. I've read them before. But how, how can I be sure? What assurances can you provide? Well, how do you know that the sun will rise tomorrow? How do you know that the chair you're in right now is going to actually support you? How? How do you know that you're going to get that next heartbeat? You're going to get that next breath? Do you have assurance that these things will happen For sure, without a doubt? No, but you believe it. You believe that they're going to happen. You have faith that they will happen because the sun has risen before. Because the last chair you sat in held you up. And you're here this morning with air in your lungs and a beating heart. Praise God. And you could trust that these things will happen just as they always have. 
And in the same way, we can trust that God sees and cares and provides because he always has, even in the darkest of situations and the darkest of circumstances. And here's why you can trust him, because God is meticulously sovereign as ruler over all things, all things. He created the sun. He sustains the earth and rules over it. He created you, and he is the sovereign ruler over all things. He is eternal and unchanging. Nothing takes him by chance, nothing. Nothing surprises him. All things happen under his sovereign control. All things. And here's the thing. If he is not meticulously sovereign, then we have absolutely no assurance. We have no assurance. We have no hope. But the truth of God's sovereignty in this passage should bring comfort. Comfort in the best of and worst of times. It should bring hope lasting, enduring hope, and it should increase our trust in him when we are weary. Why? Because he is working all things, even exiles and dark circumstances. He is working all things in accordance with his will. And he is a sovereign ruler over all things. This is the sovereign ruling God of Isaiah 40, brothers and sisters right here, right here in the pages of our Bible. And he is worthy of our trust. And rain or shine, he does give help to the helpless and hope to the hopeless. And that brings us to point two. Point two, we can trust God because he is our sovereign hope. Let's read verses 29 through 31 once again. He, God, gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Again, we need to remember that these words were originally given to a people who are getting ready for exile, and who are in exile. And so again, what do weary believers who are so often struggling with faithlessness and doubt need to hear in horrific and uncertain times? What do we need to hear? Well, first, that that God is sovereign, as we just unpacked in the last couple verses. That he is the sovereign ruler. But we also need to hear that God will be true to his word. We need to hear that he has made promises and that he will keep those promises as our sovereign hope. So what promises are made in these verses to the past, present, and future people of God who are so often struggling with weariness and floundering in uncertainty? What promises are given? Well, first, there in verses 29 through 30, we read, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Are you faint? Are you weary? If you aren't now, you likely will be at some point. I don't say likely, you will be at some point. Because God is God and we are not. See, this text is 
We need to see the preemptive nature of it. It assumes and also assures us that we will grow weary, that we will inevitably lack strength. It assumes, that you notice, it assumes that we are insufficient. Even the young, verse 29, even the strongest in the world, the most beautiful in the world will grow faint and weary, old and weak. The strongest Navy SEAL, the most athletically proficient, the winners of the Miss Universe competition, they're all going to grow weary, tired, weak, due to age or disease or something else. And if you are here today and you are young, you, you might have a false sense of confidence in yourself of confidence in your own gifting, your own strengths, your own abilities. You may consciously or even unconsciously be placing your hope in yourself. You might be tempted to say, I've got this, and then live as if you are independent and self-sufficient, able to sustain and help yourself. But this text is reminding us boldly and clearly not just the young, but all of us here in this room that we are needy, insufficient, incapable, and in need of what? Divine strength, a strength that we're not capable of providing or mustering by ourselves. No matter our age or stage, when we admit that we are all of these things in need, when we recognize and admit our weakness, when we look to God and not ourselves, ah, then, then the promises of 29 become so much sweeter, right? They become so much sweeter. That assurance that we will be supplied with strength is sweeter. For God promises here to strengthen. We need to, we need to recognize this, 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 this right here. For God promises here to strengthen his weary ones and to give power to those who are lacking it. Do you believe this? Do you trust this promise? If you're a Christian, this promise is for you. If you're weary and dependent, God will give you strength and help. No matter the circumstance. But he'll do it in accordance with his will in his way, in his timing. And that may not always jive with our will, way, and timing. If you are weary and dependent, weary and dependent, God will give you strength and help. As mentioned earlier by Pastor Jeff, last weekend I candidated down at Hillsboro First Baptist Church with my family. And I was struck by a question that was asked on the last day. And it was asked uh, to, in the kind of the direction of both Kate and, and myself. And, and here's the question. Is Chris able to ask for help when he needs it? Well, shots fired. I'm thankful that the brother asked it because it allowed me, it allowed me to share that three of the most important words in my vocabulary It's taken me a long time to grasp this, and I'm still learning how to grasp it. Three important words are, I don't know. The other three important words in my vocabulary 
or I need help. See, God doesn't help those who help themselves, contrary to popular belief. I'm sure you've heard that statement. God helps those who ask him, depend on him for hope and for help. As we battle worldly counterfeit hopes, the temptations of the flesh, and the enemy of our souls. I, we are not sufficient, but he is sufficient. I, we are not capable, but he is capable. I, we are not independent, but we are fully dependent upon him. To live like we are sufficient, capable, independent, able to help ourselves is foolish pride. To live like we are somehow in control is a figment of our imaginations. To find our hope in people, places, and things other than this God is foolishness. But those that depend upon God, though they may be weary and often look weak, like Isaiah 53 Jesus, frail but faithful, those are actually strong because their strength and hope is in something bigger and greater than themselves. But let's be real. Let's be real. This is challenging, right? This is very challenging. It's easier said than done in virtually every area of our life. So let's take this to the pavement of our lives for a moment. We're going to be pressing well, actually, we are, pressing into a political season. And you will be tempted in this political season to place your hope in a person or party. It's almost inevitable. To also put your hope in the outcome of this political season. But that person or party will never bear the weight of your faith and hope. Never, never. So where will you find true and lasting hope in this political season? You may be tempted in other areas of your life to place your hope in your spouse or your job, your bank account, your family, your retirement, a future relationship or a friend. But those objects of hope will fall short every time. They will. They're good gifts, yes. But they will fall short every time because only God is our sovereign hope. Though others will let us down, he will never let us down. He will not, he cannot fail. In the midst of challenges in this life or in weariness, this ought to make us run to Christ in prayer. Run to his word. Run to wise counsel found in his word to be fully dependent upon him. Again, God will not fail. He has given us daily means of daily hope in his character, in his word, and in his promises that are sure. Sure. Promises like those of 29 through 30, but also in verse 31. Look there with me. Verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord... Look at the fourfold promise here. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
Oh, to a people in exile then and to people waiting for heaven now, what sweet assurance is this? What a sweet promise is this? Notice that these promises are given to those who do what? Wait upon the Lord. Brothers and sisters, waiting is the posture of the Christian life. We are always waiting, aren't we? Waiting for sickness, whatever that is, to pass. Waiting for grief to diminish. Waiting for a spouse. Waiting for a child. Waiting for that wayward child of yours to see the error of his or her ways and come to an end of themselves. Waiting for that desired career to actually come to fruition or waiting on insert whatever you're waiting for here. In a fast-paced Amazon world where you can have it the next hour or next day, waiting is hard. Waiting is hard. Waiting requires patience, and patience is difficult. I've never met a human being, at least not yet. I've never met a human being that doesn't struggle in some shape or form with waiting, with patience. But the text says that they who wait upon God with a supernatural strength, it's not of of themselves, a supernatural dependent strength from the Lord, as the previous verses said, they who wait upon God will renew their strength. This is another promise for believers. But it almost sounds too good to be true. I know that this is what I'm sure you may be thinking as we read this. Uh, It almost sounds too good to be true, I'm, I'm sure, for the people who were in exile. It sounds too good to be true. So what trustworthy assurances has God given his people of old then and to his people now? What certainties has he given us? How has he proven himself to be worthy of our trust? How? Well, this passage points us to two assurances that are intimately connected to it. One assurance looks back to the Old Testament, and one looks forward just a few chapters and then into the new. The first assurance looks back in Scripture. So let's look at that now. You don't have to turn there. You don't have to turn there. But listen to this promise to God's people in Exodus 19. This is God speaking to Moses' words that he was to relay to God's people. Exodus 19, three through four. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Sound familiar? That sounds like these verses here. Here in 29 through 31. To a people in exile, to Christians in dark circumstances, then and now, here we are called to look back to the Exodus to see what God has already done. That he has made promises and he's kept those promises in real history, in real time, to real people. But then in verses 29 through 31 of Isaiah 41 are also connected to another assurance that points forward. And it's the assurance of Isaiah chapter 42 and 53, which speak of a servant. 
a servant who would fulfill all the promises of God. Listen to this from Isaiah 42, one through four. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. And then Isaiah 53 says, the same servant, the servant, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, acquainted with weariness, a man who was oppressed and was afflicted, cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of God's people, who is this servant? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. In the gospel accounts, we find that he was exiled for our sake. That he faithfully went to the cross for his people. That he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God and be declared faithful in the sight of God. He did this so that we may have assurance in him and have sovereign hope. And after he was crucified, three days later, what happened? He was resurrected. The servant was resurrected, brothers and sisters. He was renewed. He mounted up on eagles' wings so that all who repent and believe might also be renewed in this life. And by the power of the Spirit, also be mounted up on eagles' wings on the last day when Christ returns. In Christ, all of these promises have and will come to pass. All of them. Paul assures us of this in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, where he says, all the promises of God find their yes and amen in Jesus. And if you are in Christ today, then he has given you all the power and the strength and endurance that you will need by the power of the Spirit to get through the exiles of this life today in anticipation of the last day. And we who are prone to wander, prone to doubt, prone to discouragement, prone to forget the promises of God can trust Christ and rest in these promises that he's fulfilled because he is our sovereign hope and he is trustworthy. And his life, death, resurrection, and ascension is the down payment for that. Now, if you're here today and you are trusting in your own strength, if you are here today and you do not know this Jesus, the Jesus of this gospel, then you must hear this. You were made by God. You were made for God. You were created by God to trust him. And so hear the summons of God today through this gospel, through Jesus through his life and death and resurrection, that work alone can save you. That work alone can provide the certainty that you desire. And so if you have questions about this, we would love to talk with you. We would love to talk with you. I'll be standing in the back after the service or feel free to come to the newcomer's lunch after service today. We would love to talk with you more about this, what it would look like to repent of your sin and believe in Jesus alone for salvation today. But if you are a Christian, 
according to Isaiah 40, God, he's displayed this in and through the Son, Christ is our renewing strength, our promise maker and promise keeper and our sovereign hope. And in the midst of uncertainty, he is our what? Certainty. In the midst of instability, he is our stability. And in the midst of insecurity, he is our eternal security. He alone can bear that weight. Do you believe that? When the storms of life come upon you and the waves of doubt come, when you have been tossed to and fro and you cannot see, Christ is your hope and your harbor. He is your sure and steady anchor and nothing will change that if you are in him. Nothing will change that. Well, as you've seen, the the assuring promises of this passage and, and all of the promises of Isaiah 40 aren't simply individual promises. They're also corporate promises. They're promises made to God's people. They're corporate promises that apply to this, to this church, EBC. Do you, did you know that God has given us one another to remind one another of the truth of Isaiah 40? that God has made promises and that he has kept those promises in Christ? Did you know that it's not a coincidence that you're here today? There's no such thing as coincidence in God's world. It's not a coincidence that you are here, a part of this church. An integral part of being here is being reminded and reminding others of the truth of this passage and the hope of promises fulfilled in Jesus. And that he is sovereignly dependable and reliable and faithful. This is why we have a preaching ministry here, teaching ministry. This is why we have care groups. This is why we have men's ministry and women's ministry. This is why we have a diaconal ministry. This is why we have a music ministry and so many more ministries. We have these ministries so we can all be reminded of the promises of God fulfilled in Jesus and to be strengthened by his word. If you're not a part of any of these, let me invite you to to get involved. Get involved, join, join in, and be a part of the encouraging work that God is doing here at EBC. Our family, brothers and sisters, has benefited from this greatly. Our family has been so encouraged by you all. From from our care group, to discipleship relationships, to the meals that we've shared, to the the financial and practical care that that we have received by God through all of you. Our family loves you. We are thankful for you. It's been a joy and a privilege to be your associate pastor. with the promises of Isaiah 40 on the tip of our hearts and minds, let's keep pointing one another to the fulfillment of those promises to Jesus. As we all wait for the last day when faith will give way to sight. Do you look forward to that day? Faith will give way to sight. And when we will all, all those saved by grace through faith in Christ will be mounted up on wings of eagles. 
caught up to Christ, transformed fully into the image of Jesus and together with him forevermore. Well, we should close. In an uncertain world of counterfeit hopes, what or who can bear the weight of our faith, our trust, and provide certainty? What can bear that weight? Who can bear that weight? It's Jesus. Jesus is our sovereign hope. So are you looking to him and trusting him today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day that you have made. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it brings light and life and love to our lives. Father, I thank you for this word from Isaiah 40 that's been fulfilled in Jesus and is being fulfilled and will be fulfilled when you return. And until that day, we do pray, Jesus, come quickly. In the meantime, as we wait, Lord, I pray that you would give us endurance and that you would teach us what we know not and that you would give us what we have not and that you would make us what we are not for our joy and your glory. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.